Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, your torch-bearing tachometer of triviality. We're top of the league and it's time for more tittle-tattle. We'll tear up the Wednesday Forest and Blackburn tests and take a look at the upcoming title fight with Reading in the company of Edie and Matthew. First up, let's look back at a triumphant trio of performances. Back-to-back wins since we last spoke, John. Uh, what's your main takeaway from, from another week or so of success? Um, I think it is the fact that we keep finding a way. But actually, Blackburn was probably the one that I was most encouraged by. There was a period in the first half, especially probably like a good 20, 25 minutes solid, where it felt like that Farker ball of 2018, 19 had returned. It, the midfield was really fluid. It looked like Emmy Bundir was in the mood. Um, even Mario Vrancic in a 10, which I don't necessarily think is his best position. I think he'd started to, to kind of pull the strings. And it just felt like, yeah, I think the fluidity had returned. So that was really encouraging. Um, then clearly it got a bit more difficult in the second half. But again, we, we found a way. And I think that seems to be the pattern of the last three games is Norwich have, have found it difficult. They found it difficult for probably the obvious reason that, that the squad is threadbare and, and actually, you know, we're, we're knackered. We're at, you can see, you know, we're, we're really, really tired. Um, but at the same time, we're managing to retain some kind of solidity no matter who's in, in the back line, um, you know, anyone slotting in there and, and looking really, really good. And our superior quality then in, within the final third and going forward has meant that we can just edge out, you know, the kind of middle of the road teams or teams towards the bottom of the league. So, yeah, I'm really encouraged. And, and when people start coming back, it should get better. All right. So this Blackburn game was actually the first one that I've not seen uh, on iFollow or telly or Red Button or whatever means um, has been possible um, just simply because of some family commitments. So um, tell me what I missed, uh, Mr. Matthew McGregor. What, what, what in particular in the Blackburn game would, would I know more about this team, do you think, had I have watched it? I don't think you'd know more about the team because it was uh, same as same as it always is, really dominant in patches, looking really wobbly in patches, and managing to find a way. I mean, it weird last season people said we were the best bottom team in the in Premier League history and people are acting a bit like we're the worst uh uh championship leaders in, in history, but we're finding a way every single game and at some point there's gonna have to be like a view emerging that maybe we're just good. Um they they definitely don't didn't feel like they were in their top gear uh, for most of the game. I'm not sure how often we've seen them in their top gear, but to me that says that we've got another gear to go into, yet we're still three points top of the, the table without having hit that, that top gear. You know, the goals were pretty scrappy, but we've we've been scoring scrappy goals all season. And again, you know, at some point you know, saying, "Well, we, we, how long can we ride our luck? Maybe it's not luck. Maybe we, maybe we've worked out a way how to take a lot of these chances and to, um, and to, and to make the the possession uh, count." So, uh, you know, it, there hasn't been a single game this season where you thought that was easy, um, but they uh, 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 have still had the best start to the season that we've had in decades. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't, I haven't seen anyone say that we are the worst worst kind of leading championship team um I, I did hear that um on uh, efl on quest um they were talking about you know are we lucky or is it or is it kind of by design and as usual colin murray who's a massive canaries fan he, we always seem to be a second team whenever we're in the championship um 
he, he was he was saying no, it's definitely on the on on the skill side of things because because they replicate it. And and I would actually say that on on the scrappy goal side of things, um, if you take the, the the kind of deflected goals that we've had in the last couple of games, if you look at the you know minute and a half play leading up to them, they're both really lovely moves. Um, that, that are kind of creating those chances and there's been loads of really nice football that hasn't happened so I think you're completely right that there hasn't been the we haven't put together the it was I think it was Sheffield Wednesday away wasn't it where we put together that was it like 4-0 or something um, in the in the championship winning season a couple of years ago where we put together basically like the perfect game and we we, we just played like you know Rolls Royces the whole way through and then there was the Ellen Road game likewise where we were we were superb that kind of complete performance I agree we haven't had one of those yet but I think in in the last couple of months, you know, since we've really hit our stride, I think there's been 10, 15 minute spells in all of the games where we've kind of just gone up that extra gear and, and pushed on when we've needed to. And, and yes, a lot of the time that's happened late in games, but a bit like the um, a bit like when we, we had to go and find an answer for, for when we were pegged back. Um, uh, I was I was really really encouraged by the fact that that, that was exactly what we did. We, we started playing the football faster, playing the ball faster again. And we got ourselves back in the lead, and um, that, that's really encouraged me. What about you, Edie? How do you feel we are? How do you feel we are set in terms of how much quality we've shown versus the, the position we're actually in? Well, I, I feel like, and I, this is this might just be me, but it feels like there's a real sort of psychological edge to all of this, where there was previously some kind of it would descend into like Keystone Cops kind of setup, where everything was a little bit too random, everything was a little bit too chancy. But especially that Blackburn game, you just saw these moments of just complete patience and control where that needed to happen. And then um, chances being taken where that needed to happen. And I think everyone's come to, like, with the injury situation as well, obviously going against that psychologically. When something happens like Cantwell's little moment when um, he experienced some sort of eye issue... It was a very odd moment, but that really stood out because I think everything else is so kind of settled just that little bit more, um, especially in the face of injury and things like that, that I think they're just, there's moments with Pookie now where you just, it's, it's like he can make time slow down where you can't do that if you're in a really good head, uh, if you're in a kind of tumultuous headspace. So, I mean, for me, the Blackburn game was just, it just sort of felt like a little bit of a breakthrough on that front. Well, I, I think that you're right. So uh, Pookie is, is some, someone that we really wanted to talk about tonight because it's, it's been a while since we've waxed lyrical about him. I mean, I think it's time we, we had a bit of a, a poll within this, this individual pod. Um, whereabouts does he rank so that was 50 goals in 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 his first 100 games so it's nice when those kind of narratives work out like that where does he does he rank for you so come to you first Matthew um which striker you can only have one because we're playing one up front although you shouldn't let that play into um whether or not you go with a, a man who's used to playing on his own up front is there a striker that you would pick if they are peak form peak fitness peak age when they were at Norwich City is there a Norwich striker you would replace Pookie with if you could have anyone in your dream Norwich eleven? Uh, Norwich players in my lifetime. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I, I was always very um, partial to Afanakuku, but I, I, honestly, I think that Pookie is up there not just because of his. Uh, I would pick Pookie just to be just to actually answer the question, not just because of recency bias and not just because. Um, 
uh, of the goals he scored, but also the, the the story that he brings with him. You know, I, I love I love everything about him, not just the goals, <laughs> the way he plays, and the type of football we play because of him. There's nothing better than watching him run through on goal. I was directly behind the line of his shot in the Millwall away game in our championship winning season. And I, I, I just, I think about that at least once a week, uh, but also just the, the fact that he's a free, he was a free transfer. The fact that he's Finnish and so um, humble and, 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 and a nice guy. I also got a couple of Finnish friends um, and, and the, the level of uh, ecstasy that anyone Finnish will get to when talking about Timu Puki is absolutely incredible. The Leicester game this time last year, I, I didn't know it until Puki scored that um, that goal, but I was sat in front of a, a Finnish canary. And uh, yeah, he, he was so overjoyed that it, it brought a tear to my eye. It was incredibly pure it was a very pure moment Are so you for not me checking the nationality not, of all the people around you at the start uh, of every game like that's what it, that's what i do i get him to fill in a form uh, you know i i he, he didn't he didn't say anything beforehand but it, it was uh, it was extremely clear once the goal had gone in that he was he was extremely finished wow. um and so it, it's not just the goals but the goals do put him up there it's everything that comes with him that that would that i would i would go with pookie I tell you what, that's that's an incredible uh, overview. Uh, can you follow that, John? Um, not really. I, I can. I can probably. So, if we're talking about strikers in my lifetime, I think there's three that are really up there, um, and they would be would be Tommy Pukki. And for all the reasons Matthew has outlined, I think he would be a fantastic candidate. And I was going to talk about the fact that stylistically, the football, well, he dovetails into the football that we want to play, and it and it just seems like. 2018 19 Puki going up front on his own rather than playing just off road seemed to be the catalyst to, to everything just clicking uh, and then again you know kind of Farker ball was born um, however I've still got two that, that I really really um, love and, and cherish as well from my lifetime and, and one of those would be Grant Holt and there's loads of reasons and we don't need to go into all the reasons why Grant Holt was was just a phenomenal striker for Norwich but also Robert Fleck and I think that was probably because he was, you know, I see it through the prism of, of my 10-year-old's eyes, you know, kind of, an, and he was my absolute hero. But not only that, he was a proper throwback in terms of his personality as a footballer. So as much as, you know, Timmy Pukki is a great guy and, you know, it's clear that he's a great guy and a, a family man. And, and as Matthew says, like, you know, kind of pure, you know, as, as pure as can be, really. Fleck was was kind of really different to that. And he was, I don't know, you know, kind of one of the lads, but everyone just liked him you know and there's so many stories that people have about Robert Fleck about you know kind of seeing him in, in pubs in and around towns or you know he used to frequent um, locals and really get to know people you know he's he's still in and around the city now and he's kind of ingratiated himself into Norfolk culture he's just he's a, a brilliant guy an absolutely brilliant guy and, and I think you know having met him now and, and knowing him properly yeah I'm gonna have to pick Flecky. Okay, so Edie, we've got one vote for Pookie, one float vote for, for Flecky. Um, where, where do you fall down on, on oh. whether or not Pookie is the ultimate number nine or whatever oh, number you up, want? Up the ultimate this... number 22. <laughs> up until this Saturday, I would have said Grant Holt straight up and down. Um, I'm always a really big fan of a big dog 
in Norwich teens, like because there's a lot of youth around, it's always good to have someone who can be like the, the central point, not just as a striker, but someone that can actually hold everyone else, else up on a kind of solid level. But having seen, um, like Pookie just practically got pushed over by Gallagher. I don't know if you saw that bit. I didn't. No, I didn't. What? What? Because I this this is I didn't watch the. That's the one game I haven't. I couldn't get any screen time for. Oh, I'm I'm very sorry about that. But um, <laughs> it was. I saw it, was, it, Edie. It was great. You, you saw it. Excellent. Just that moment. Um, it was so interesting how he took that push, that he didn't give anything away, but he didn't react to it. And I saw that inspire the rest of his teammates around him to play in a slightly different way where there was no extra aggression, but there was a kind of refusing to give way. And that happened at that exact moment. And that was the point where I, was, I thought, actually, yeah, he is key to the team. I previously viewed him as being in a kind of like ice cold clinical bubble where he would just sort of go underwater like a submarine until he was needed and then like strike. But actually having seen that particular incident and what happened afterwards, I'd say, yeah, definitely as a, as a striker and as a team kind of pedestal, like a, a center point, a tent pole. So yeah, he's, I'm sorry, Grant Holt. I feel really bad. It's all right. He, he doesn't listen to this. It's fine. <laughs> so I, I think that yeah that, that they're really good points made i think you you touched uh, matthew on something really key which is the um that kind of international hero status um to have someone in your team who you know is maybe actually ironically loved even more by a whole country's worth of football fans than he is by norwich fans if you see what i mean because it is literally you know almost kind of their, their life life changing you know the, he, they are literally the most successful they've ever been thanks to his goals whereas we're we're as, as successful as we've been quite a few times thanks to his goals if you see what i mean um so i think that there is that element and it is that that you know Holt's character was was hilarious and there is something about there is something ever so um uh, kind of endearing about having someone that so many other fan like fan groups love to hate i don't think any fan groups dislike pookie really <laughs> because they're, they're, you know he he's never got stick you know we i went uh, away a few times in the in the 1819 season and he wasn't getting stick from anyone because he, he wasn't like, I remember Vardy when he was on that unbelievable run where he scored, whatever, he broke the record or equaled the record, got scored in 11 Premier League goals in a row, I think. And he, and he it was some 11 Premier League games in a row. And um, he scored against Norwich at Carrow Road. Um, it was quite early in the game. They'd been on top comfortably. Uh, and that was like his seventh or eighth um, kind of game in that run. Um, and we were all aware of, of kind of the, the narrative around that it was building. And, he, and I remember him putting his finger to his lips of the, the river end, ironically, um, and, and the kind of the city stand as he wheeled away in celebration, like really aggressively kind of shush. And you just think, what? what, what, what why are you doing that? What, why are you kind of taking us on? He hadn't had any stick from anyone in the game. Maybe there'd been the odd shout, maybe, but certainly not from those two stands. Um, and, and I just thought you think of the other kind of iconic number nines in the, the, the character that they need. They need to almost play angry. You know, they need to almost have that chip on their shoulder. And you almost feel like, you know, that, so another thing, Edie, you, you, sometimes you do notice those little kind of gentlemanly things from um, from Pookie. So 
for, for, for me, for example, he is, he's someone who will always help up the, the central defender that's just tried to go through the back of him. He will so often turn around and immediately offer his hand to kind of to pull the other guy up, you know, as they're getting up after the, after the coming together. You know, he, he genuinely seems like, like that, that's the way he plays his football, like a gentleman. And, you know, um, John and I have had the pleasure of, of being in his company um, and at the end of the 18-19 season and um, in and around his teammates as, as much as you know, when, when we were like right with them they really were quite quite drunk forward slash hungover or still drunk um, No, Timu was definitely really really very drunk Yeah still very drunk <laughs> but, but, but even in that you, you, the, 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 the characters of the various different people within the team you could see who the leaders were you could see who was you know Hanley going around ruffling everyone's hair uh, including mine which was weird um, and and just generally being kind of a bit of a dad figure to everyone and cruel likewise being really statesmanlike and and and, and kind of grown up and then you know the the, the boy the, the younger lads kind of hanging around being kind of cliquey with their hands in their pockets and Steepy being hilarious and you know the the, the drunk guy being particularly drunk our, our, our friend the mayor and but he he was sort of you could see the affection with which all of the other players and their their kind of interactions with him were were almost that much gentler and that that much kind of kinder and and like he was clearly um everyone's kind of best friend and i guess yeah his 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 goals had led them to the to the promised land so they'd like to feel that but yeah he definitely has that aura of like a gentle a gentle guy about him and um yeah i, I think if I think it's it's maybe feels a little bit recency biasy because it's the middle of another season where he's doing really well, Matt. So, so I see why you kind of put that precursor in. But you know, if he stays injury free, and certainly if he gets to another, if he gets to the end of this season, injury free and, and carries on on a similar kind of vein, then even if we do fall short at the end of the season, which I don't currently think it looks like we're going to, but even if we did. I think he will have done enough to, for me to, to have cemented his, his place as that as that as that kind of number one striker of of, of my lifetime. Um, you know, with special mentions for, for you know Seda Cuckoo you know, when he was in his top form and um, and I I really enjoyed uh, watching Chris Sutton. Um, you know, again in a relatively brief time, you know he he seemed incredible and, and obviously was in the team at such a successful time when I was first falling in love with football, kind of aged eight eight and nine. Um, so it's honourable mention for him, but but yeah, I, I think we've we've made the right call there, and, and the majority has it for Timo. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't disagree with any of the points that you're making, and I think to further strengthen his cause, I think you look through the lists of of all of those strikers that we've mentioned, and proportionately, and this is probably one for um, NCFC numbers, um, that nice chap off Twitter, but. Pookie seems to have scored proportionately more goals for the team than, than anyone else. Um, if you see what I mean, so like kind of when when Holt was playing, clearly you had Chrissy Martin and you know kind of Wes Houlihan and then Jackson and and Morrison chipping in with goals. Similarly, Chris Sutton would have had someone like Mark Robbins, um, you know, Efan Akuku again. You know, there'd have been lots of um, great strikers. You and Roberts would have had Huckabee, you know, kind of and, and Robert Earnshaw and players like that. Puki is our you know main man, and and actually there hasn't really been anyone that stepped up to the plate, um, you know, kind of striker wise that scored with a kind of regularity to, to give him any kind of competition. He is our main man. And I think that makes him even more special. So let's have the same conversation about the manager, because this actually came up in a, um, this came up in a, in a WhatsApp group that of what of the millions that, that we're all in um, earlier in the week. Uh, someone was asking whether or not he needs to, what, you know, what Farker needs to do um, to, to be considered as, you know, our favorite or the best 
inverted commas, you know, TM, um, you know, Norwich manager of our kind of time of following the club. So that's, that's basically, you know, 90s through, through to now. Um, so, so what say you on that, Matt? Kind of similar kind of question. That has, has, does Farker for you hold a special place than, than any other managers in the time you've been following the club? I think it is a bit different with the managers because they're, the, they're not the people who, during the game, make you lose your mind. And so you don't have that sort of um, emotive connection. It's much more of a rational, a rational choice. The one for me that is sort of was my first love was uh, Dave Stringer, and uh, I think that's just because he was the first manager when I was really falling in love with football myself and the FA Cup run that we had, um, which I would have loved him for even more if I'd realised we weren't going to have another one for thirty years. Hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I also I, I know it's not very fashionable to say it. I, I don't hate Ipswich as much as as a lot of Norwich fans, but I still do hold a lot of um, affection for Paul Lambert because of the way he went away. He went about what we did and it was the, the passion that he showed. It wasn't as, you don't get that as, as from managers as, 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 as often as we did from him. But, but Farker is really, really special because of you know, not just the way we play football, which is fantastic, not just because of his ethos as a, you know, as a human, he's a decent, a decent guy, and you see that that runs through everything that he does at the club, but also because of the long-term project that that he's part of. Um, that it, it sort of they've re-encapsulated what the Norwich way is um, between between him and and um, Weber. So it's not the same kind of. I'm not in love with him in the way that I would be with uh, uh, a Puki or or um, uh, players, but he is he is like my favorite of the Norwich managers since Stringer, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're right. And that does make sense uh, regarding you tend to get, when you feel something for a manager during a game, it tends to more be frustration. And, you know, so you're frustrated that they're not making the subs. You're frustrated with, with the people that they've chosen. It's, you know, come on, you need to change this now. Um, it is, it's you know, more fleeting the opportunities to say, oh, I'm really glad he made that sub or I'm really glad he brought that person on or I'm really glad we set up with, with these flying wingbacks or whatever. So that, that's a fair point. Um, what about you, Edie? Well, I think with Farker, what makes him way more special to me than... I've, I've sort of been fond of various managers for various reasons. Um, I, I think for Farker, he is the first man, football manager I've seen in football who properly understands the, that, that it's a two-way relationship between fans and management. And, and also that it's, it's kind of, he has listened enough or shown that he's listening, that it becomes, it's become more of a collective endeavor. And I think that that's really, really good because it means people are much less likely to start hashtagging um, out uh, once things it do kind of if, if things do sort of go downhill at all but so far um, it's like there have been dips and there have been like inscrutable decisions made from time to time where people have said what on earth is this set up about but I think in terms of just normally most football managers have their backs to the fans and he's the first person to turn around 180 degrees and be like a conduit between the team and the the, the fans. So, I, I hopefully he'll be here for many years to come, like one of those proper kind of like residential managers. Because I just can't imagine having anyone else 
now. I, I can't imagine it being an improvement. I know that Maddie would, would probably say say the same thing, Maddie of, of, of ACM fame and, and flag group fame in terms of not being able to imagine um, Norwich now with, with, with anyone else. That That's definitely her sentiment. Um, John, I'll, I'll give you final word on on, on Farker in the in the grand scheme of, of, of you know the, on the old um, Grand Canyon, not not Grand Canyon. What's the thing with the four people on it? Mount Rushmore. That's the one on on Mount Rushmore. Um, so <laughs> on the Norwich City Mount Rushmore, he's worthy. He must be worthy of, of one of the four heads, surely. Yeah, he's definitely worthy of that, and I, I think for for all of the reasons that that Edie's just articulated about the fact that you know he gets what that relationship with the fan, fans should be like and also speaking quite cynically he probably gets that that buys him a bit more patience and time and you know that's not a bad thing that that the manager is is asking for that um he's given us that football of of 2018-19 and no one can ever take that away and you know I will remain steadfast that is absolutely my favorite season for for so many reasons but the style of the football that that we played was intrinsic to that and, you know, I don't think we'll ever play football with, with that kind of fluidity ever again. You know, and that makes me quite sad. But at the same time, the we were, you know, but I don't think we will. You know, I mean, I could I could never imagine a Norwich team playing like that. And the only performance that, that I can and this kind of links into managers, the only performance that I can think of um, is that day at Wembley. And, and I think that's someone maybe that that gets overlooked is um is alex neil because mm. i can't remember being as fond of a group of players and a group of players being bonded so much as that alex neil side of, of 2014-15 and let's face it i mean i know neil adams had us in seventh but we were way off it and and had alex neil taken over maybe even like a couple of games before that we'd have been automatically promoted but it just felt like we were absolutely unbeatable after two or three games you knew exactly what an Alex Neil side was about you knew you know that that it would be full of passion it would be full of grit it would be full of determination but there was quality on the ball as well he was fully utilizing you know the, the powers of of Wes Houlihan that team I, I just you know I don't think they're held in high enough regard short of that day at Wembley because leading up to that we were absolutely phenomenal and and that is Alex Neil unfortunately his his reign is then subsequently tainted by the fact that you know he um he questioned himself and there was that 6-2 at, at um, St James's Park and then subsequent to that there was the 4-3 at St James's Park and and that probably um soured his tenure but you can never take Wembley away from us. So I think he's got to be up there as well on Mount Rushmore or Mount Canary more. Okay. So, okay. We're going to have to try and work that out then. So, because if Neil is on there and, um, and Farker is on there and Lambert is on there, then European wise. Can we really put Lambert on there? No, you can't put Lambert Mm. on there now. No. He would have been, but he can't be on there now. Dave Dave Stringer. Dave Stringer has got to be there. And Mike Walker. I was going to say, yes. Oh, what about Worthy? Mike, Mike Walker needs to be there. Um, we played some pretty great stuff. Like it was, it was a different style of football, but we played some really, really good attacking football, like all out attacking football under Worthington in the championship. Mm. Um, or sorry, I think that was the last, that was the last division one, wasn't it? I think we won the last division one. Yeah, you're right. Um, so well, first time for everything. So if we have, um, <laughs> still got the quiz mate, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, the, so we're going, uh, Farker and, uh, again, cause, Yes, yeah, so I I do think Lambert is is still worthy of it. I I got over the, the the hatefulness after he after him leaving to try and better his career and the fact that it went so badly wrong for him almost maybe forgiving more quick more quickly. Um, I I because you're talking about bond, a bonding with a group of players and loving a group of players. 
I would probably put the the kind of League One Championship under Lambert. I I feel that was such a ragtag, funny old bunch of yeah, it's brilliant. I agree of, of, of lads that that and and then I would also put the eighteen nineteen lot over that. I I actually think that you know the eighteen nineteen eighteen nineteen lot were felt like that felt like they had an incredible team spirit and incredible bond. And I felt I was so fond of them, but then I couldn't ever pick my favorite group of players, not having Wesley in it. So, oh, it's tricky, but okay. So trying to stick, stick to the focus. So Mount Rushmore, the, 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 I wouldn't go with this, but I, I think I'm sensing that the group decision is therefore Farker is one of them. Mike Walker is one of them. Mm-hmm. And then where are the other two going? Mm. I, I quite like Dave Stringer. I, I really yeah. like Matthew Shout with Dave Stringer because he is just Mr. Norwich City as well. He's he's done. My favourite Dave Stringer everything. thing was I think it was Gossie's testimonial. Dave Stringer substituted himself on, uh, but he, I, but either wasn't expecting to play or or, or it hadn't been planned that he was going to do that, and so he didn't have a shirt. He he was just wearing a yellow jumper with the sleeves rolled up. <laughs> I really vividly <laughs> remember remember being like, what? Why isn't he wearing the same clothes as everyone else on the pitch? Um, yeah. Anyway, um, so that, that that's yeah. He he he's not Mount Rushmore for me, but um, I'm obviously much more youthful than you, punt. So that that, that might that might, that might play into it. So it sounds like we're not we haven't necessarily got a consensus on that because um, yeah, I'm not sure I'd put I'm not sure I'd put Farker on there ahead of Lambert or or Worthington. Um, well, I'd definitely have him ahead of it, both of those. I think. Yeah, that's well, that's fair. Uh, I I just think going to, on Matt's point, it's for me, it's far more about the players. Um, in, in, in both this season and, and two seasons ago. Tomorrow night, we're recording this on Tuesday, but you could probably work that out. We are taking on Reading. Um, are you going to expect any changes to the team, Edie? I don't think so. Bearing in mind, we've still got our injured people out injured. That's not going to change. I think we've got like another few weeks, haven't we, on um, Kroll. Um, oh, I thought he was back on Saturday. Is he? I haven't heard otherwise. But if that is the case, that's marvellous. Not that McGovern wasn't amazing. I mean, yeah, imagine Farkas, that not Farkas being... he's back Saturday, yeah. Oh, that's good. So, I mean, so, okay, well, that's good to know. But um, other than that, I don't think there'll be terribly much changed just because everyone seems to have, like, hit a bit of a groove. But, I don't know, there's something about Reading that makes me think that the... I don't know, there might be the need to bring in some uh, some older players. I don't know. It's it's just one of those things when it comes to Reading, I think also to Brighton, there's um, a certain aggression there, which Norwich doesn't do very well against. So that's you, that's my only guess. Do you think it's a game that needs to be managed? Knowing absolutely almost nothing about um, football tactics, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure what that, what that means. But I mean, I, I think that... Um, Reading, Reading have got their attacking players out injured. Uh, you know, both of their frontline strikers are out, and so I wonder if that means that we can be a little bit more uh, aggressive. Uh, you know, to the point about whether anyone's anyone's coming in. Um, uh, Dowell is apparently there or thereabouts, ready to go. And I, and honestly, until about a week ago, I'd forgotten that we'd signed him because he was injured so long ago. So it was like having another a new signing coming into the into the squad. So I'm I'm really excited to see to see him back. And I also wonder about Campwell starting. Um, I think he's been working his way up to match fitness again, but uh, I'd, I'd like to see him in the team. 
and uh, you know Cooley's back on Saturday but I just want to say a word for um, McGovern he got such a lot of stick when he came in for Cruel a lot of Norwich fans seem to be surprised that our backup keeper isn't as good as our first choice keeper <laughs> I think he's handled it really really well and there have been mistakes of course there has that's why he's the backup keeper but I think we're pretty lucky to have uh, a backup as solid as he is um, and the uh, save he made against Blackburn on Saturday was absolutely top draw so obviously delighted Cruel's going to be back and can't can't you know, can't come a moment too soon because he is better. But I think McGovern deserves a, a real um, you know, pat on the back for, for, for a job well done. And John, what do you think is going to be the uh, what do you think is going to be the story of the game? Is it going to be a, an end to end thriller because both teams uh, will feel like they want to be pushing on? I mean, as we're recording, Bournemouth have just kind of gone top thanks to thanks to taking. We just scored as live. Yeah, they're they're one nil up against Wickham. Um, yeah, we so, can just have a player sent off. I saw that. Oh, that'll help. Um, so, yeah, we can maybe assume that that's going to finish that way. Hopefully that's wrong by the end of this recording. But, um, yeah, so we, we look at it in, in the context of the table um, with Watford drawing. A win takes us back to the top of the table. and uh, Sorry, a draw takes us back to the top of the table. And to, for me, it's one of those, whenever you're playing someone in the top six, especially off the back of three straight wins, I think you go into it thinking less... What I meant by managing the game was let's just make sure you don't lose it. Like, you know, let's make sure that we are super tight um, and, and a, draw, a draw is enough. I know that's not really the way we, we always look into games, but I would settle for a draw now if it was offered. Uh, yeah, I, I think I would take a draw. I, I, I'm inclined to agree with what you're saying. However, I think for the, for the fact that it's not just the frontline um, players that, that are out or the frontline strikers that Matthew's highlighted that are out, actually Reading have got, an injury crisis almost verging on as bad as ours now. I think they've got seven or eight first-teamers that, that are absent. This seems to me to be a real opportunity to, to put a marker down. And actually, if results stay as they are, it could be an opportunity to then create that little gap that maybe us and Bournemouth start to, to pull away from the pack because clearly the top six or seven has started to pull away from, from the other kind of mediocre sides in the division. But actually, you know, Norwich and Bournemouth do at this stage look a cut above most other sides. So I think this is this is an opportunity, and you caveat it with all our injuries. But Reading have got those two, and I just think the the confidence that's coursing through this squad's veins now you can you can see it. I mean, you know, even Jakob Sorensen playing at left back looks like an accomplished left back. You know, kind of all of a sudden, and and teams are targeting him, and he is standing up to the task. So, I, yes, I'd take a draw, but I think. You know, we could easily go there. We don't have to fear anyone. We could easily go there and, and take all three points. And you know, Matthew again has made a, a really great point about about Mickey McGovern that we don't. I was really worried, and I said it on this podcast. I, I thought that stylistically we might have to change up the way in which we play. And Farker and the the back line have done a really good job of just tweaking it rather than a wholesale change. So it, it seems like the centre backs are are just you know kind of dropping off. A, a bit wider and giving him an easier option to play out rather than, you know, kind of Tim Krull's maybe precise balls to the centre-backs that he's been asked to play because he's a bit better on the deck than, than Michael McGovern. So everything seems really positive to me at the moment. And I would say that we're top of the league and we were prior to tonight, we were three points clear. But, you know, it just feels like we're maybe on the cusp of players coming back and being top of the league. And actually we could really accelerate into Christmas and, and go and win the league because you know if we if we start putting markers down now and we do start to pull away, um, then I can't see anyone stopping us. I think that we are due to sort our goal difference out. It's funny that we've you know our goal difference is is only at meek eight at the moment compared to those teams around us. 
um, I've actually got a feeling that we might be about to to hand out a a three four goal win, and I think that Reading might be the sort of team that we would do it against because if we did get a goal up, then then yeah, they've got enough confidence about them to think that actually they've got the right to to kind of compete. I've not been that impressed with the you know, admittedly it's been mostly extended highlights or highlights that I've seen of their games, but I've not been that impressed with them, especially some of the defending has been abysmal in the, the goals they've conceded. Um, and actually, I, I think they're flat-track bullies. If you look at who they've played this season compared to who we've played, with the exception of, of, of taking on Reading and, and beating them one nil, sorry, taking on Watford and beating them early in the season, they've basically they've put away um, Wickham and Blackburn and um, and Rotherham and and they kind of they've beaten a lot of the teams you'd expect them to. But when they have come up against most of the better teams, the teams that we have thought have played us quite well, um, like you know Stoke and Bournemouth and. Uh, and Coventry, who are obviously better organised than we maybe thought their league position suggested, where we played them, they've come come up kind of come up with defeat. So um, I, I think that I'm actually feeling pretty confident. I would take a draw right now, but um, I'm going to start a quick round of, uh, of predictions here. Um, I, I normally go last, but I'm actually going to go with a four nil win. What do you think, Edie? No way. I'm sorry. I've got complete like I'm anticipating like a war of attrition, like a grind. Um, I, I think if we get a draw, it would be amazing. I, I, I've, I'm not, I've not got a good feeling about it. Um, so I'd love to see a draw, and it would probably be a, a low goal draw. Um, but like worst case scenario, probably that golden two one ratio reversed against us this time. Oh, I, I would love to be proved wrong. I no, would no, love no. to look like a dick when the <laughs> when the result comes in. <laughs> well, look, I've just said four 0 so I think we know who's most likely to look like a dick. Um, <laughs> uh, Matty, Matty, Matt, Matt McGregor. Um, well, I predict um, not missing going to uh, Reading away, which is one of the worst away trips oh, of the preach. whole season. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm predicting being delighted about that. For the result, I'm I, I'm I'm sort of with you in the sense that I think that we're due a a big win like the one we got we, we were on track for at Stoke and then it, it got we got pegged back I'm going to go with 3-0 um, but I wouldn't be surprised by um, a 4 or 5 I think we really do one there we go and John Wowzers you lot are well you boys are, are ridiculously positive um, I'm kind of I'm I think I've kind of I'm contradicting myself because I, I've said it's a real opportunity to, to put a marker down I do think it's going to be a tight encounter but I think Norwich have continued in tight encounters to to find a way and for their quality to tell. And I think that will happen again. I think it was we we won the two one, didn't we, in, a, in the Championship winning season? So let's go for another two one, as that seems to be a very fashionable result for Norwich City at the moment. Let's take a look at what's in the mailbag, please, Mr. John Pump. Well, we've got quite a few questions this evening. We'll take two or three of the best. Um, and our friend Andrew Kent gets in touch and he's asked, if you had to buy a Christmas present for one of the squad, how would you pick, or who would you pick, I think he means, and what would you get them? Let's come to you first, Edie. Oh, I think that it's, it's really tricky because what do you get for young men who can treat themselves to whatever they they fancy i would actually it wouldn't be one particular player it would be all of the new signings and it would be a gift voucher to the waffle house because i feel like that's an intrinsic part <laughs> nice of their cultural induction and i think it would just it was just it's a shortcut it's a shortcut to cultural assimilation and better playing overall 
But if we put you in charge of player liaison, there'll be no kind of um, induction song. It'll just be a trip to the Waffle House. That's what yeah, you're saying. They'll be carved up the wazoo. <laughs> Matthew, what are you saying? Uh, I'll get something for Alex Tetty, probably a Christmas jumper, but anything will do because when that man is happy, everyone is happy. He's just thinking about him now, smiling in the Christmas jumper for the adverts they're doing for the for the club shop, just makes me feel warm inside he's he's the most Christmassy of all of our players so I'd want to get him something how long do you think or do we all think that he can go on for because he's he's kind of hinted that this is his last season and then Fark has come out in press conferences and said no let's wrap him up until he's 40 you know he's he's going nowhere do we think he can go on because to my mind he's getting better with age Tom well Teddy, I think that one more season to take make make it up to the 10 um, make makes sense. I think forty might be a bit bit strong. Um, it's one because I think he's one of those where it was great that that Wesley didn't really dip. It seemed like he was going to dip a bit at the end of his Norwich career, and then he had a, a kind of a final flourish in the, towards the end of his last season. Whereas um, I think with Teti, it's it's one of those where he's 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 kind of gone up and down, but but kind of his his actual Norwich career rarely really for someone who's been there so long he's actually kind of ended at a higher level than he ever was in his first few years so it would be a shame if there was one final season where you thought oh he's not quite at it anymore is he so I'd, I would say round it off at 10 and go out on a high and who are you buying a Christmas present for well I, I think I would uh, I can't think of what what device it would be um, but some kind of Oh, I tell you what, it'd be one of those proximity sensors that they're all wearing um, in the NFL to check whether or not they're, they're too close to, to someone who's, who, who's had COVID or, or to, to track where they've been to. And I'd, I'd give it to Max Ahrens, some kind of proximity sensor um, to, to basically prevent him from being able to leave the club until at least the end of the season. Because I, the, the, in, the, in the last few games in particular, his uh, work rate in the last five to 10 minutes of the game, being an attacking outlet, supporting Pookie in breakaways, um, supporting um, midfielders who go forward and then charging back. He was out on his feet um, at the end of the Forest game. I, I think that he is... He's really key um, because Sorensen, yes, I know he's scored and he's, he's been kind of getting involved. He, he's not exactly obviously got that wing back element and that speed element um, and that directness that Aaron's brings us. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would buy Max a present that actually means that, uh, or maybe just a good old fashioned ball and chain, you know, that just weighs him down and it only comes off when he goes <laughs> onto the pitch. You know, something that stops him from getting anywhere um, other, than, other than playing at Car Road for at least the end of this season. Lovely. Now we've got talking about Sorensen, um, old school Marky on Instagram. Sorry, I don't know your full name there, Mark or Marky has asked, um, who is your favourite Scandinavian who's played fullback for Norwich City? Fugelstat. <laughs> Bam. Yeah. yeah, I was up there with, with Eric the Viking. Matthew, what are you saying? I'm trying to think of any now. <laughs> Helvig? I was going to say Helvig next, only because of the excitement of buying someone from Inter Milan. We'd really made it when when we when we we were buying people for off Inter Milan. That that really was exciting. How about you, Edie? I'm afraid I would draw an entire blank right away on on that front. Um, it that's terribly terribly specific. Has is he has old school Marky got some sort of fetish? Um, he hasn't vision. detailed that. He hasn't detailed yeah, that, but it's I mean, terribly I think specific. I'd throw in Steen Nedegaard as well, just because he was 
and Steen seem to be... used to do um, a really specific stretch um, prior to games where he it was. I think it might have been something hip related. So he would he would lie flat on his back when everyone else is sort of jumping up and down and getting ready to get in position for the just before kickoff. He would lie on his back and then do this weird this weird stretch with his legs sideways and kind of with his knees up to his chest. And um, again, just going on and some some random memories there. Uh, do carry on with the podcast. Ignore me. That's all right. Um, yeah, but I'll throw Steno into the mix. Okay, let's have one more. Um, Norwich fan, Gegenrecht, um, he asks, uh, with Lucien Favre's departure from Dortmund starting the managerial merry-go-round, is there any danger that Daniel Farker might be tempted to take on a new challenge in Germany? Edie. Why would anyone say that out loud? <laughs> don't, don't say that out loud. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Just shh. So what you're saying oh, is essentially possibly, but you no, I no, I I can't see it. I think there's too much bonding gone on and too much progress, and now is not the time to be leaving. I don't know if if he doesn't care about his legacy or his reputation, then perhaps. But he doesn't seem to me to be that kind of person. So I just I just can't see it happening, especially now at the moment where we've got empty stadiums and to slink away at this point, I think would just be, he can, he can wait another two years, surely. I think That's there's a, a good counter point to that. I'm not getting a send off. I think there's a counter to that though, which is, I think he cares very, very much about his legacy. Going on what John said earlier in the, earlier in the pod. Um, I don't think we've had a manager who's quite as calculated with what he says to the press as Farker has been from pretty much day one. Um, he, he, he plays the press very cleverly. And he really, really does care about image and, and, and how he how he's presented and perceived. So I think that that's the precise reason. And I have said this before, where I can see a kind of shock exit for him because I think, and, and, and part of me wouldn't be so against that because going back to what you said about Alec Neal earlier, John, um, if it would be awful if to, to, at the end of, of this reign in particular, um, if it, if it ended with, um, and hopefully, you know, another promotion, and then maybe he he ends up, you know, getting sacked after a particularly awful Premier League season or, or whatever. However, it might happen. But if something terrible happened and, and form really went bad, and and it did get to that kind of having paper aeroplanes thrown at him, or being booed at Burnley, or losing his shit at Newcastle, or whatever. If he has his version of that exit that those others have had, that would be really awful. And, and part of me thinks that actually, for him to leave to a homeland opportunity another project that he feels that he could take them on another level um and leaving us in really good stead you know you know not leaving us in any trouble because we you know we, we're onto a good thing the squad is looking good or, or like now for example we're currently you know towards the top of the league i can see the argument in his head for why actually that might cement his legacy more than ruin it if he stays around and waits for it to go sour because it very 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 rarely ends well Okay, so that's two very good arguments either way. Matthew, you have the final say. Uh, are, we, are we talking about him going to Dortmund or just, you know, or just jumping As off? part of, of that might create the some, some managerial vacancies. I mean, I think only only for the Dortmund job because of his, you know, his, you know, goes back generations, his links there. But I could also see him thinking to himself, he's not ready for it yet. I mean, I think he's very calculating. You're right that... It, that, that is something that is a dream job and I wouldn't begrudge him 
going for a dream job. Um, but I, I don't know if I don't know if he feels like he's achieved everything he can achieve here. Um, and and so I don't think he'd, he'd 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 just jump ship like that. But I also think that you know I don't want him to leave, and I I love him to bits, and I think he's he's definitely on the Mount Rushmore of managers. But I also think that we would we would be able to weather that um, fairly comfortably because the system that has been built up is almost sort of agnostic for the people in in the roles. Not completely, obviously, it does matter. But I think I, I'm less worried about Farker leaving. Than I than I would have been about you know previous managers going back twenty years or so, but hopefully he'll he'll stay for a, a long time to come yet. But I wouldn't begrudge him if he if he got offered the Dortmund job, obviously. It's time for the long come Norwich quiz. You have a minute to answer six questions. Matthew, we're going to come to you first. John, we are on old school Zoom recording tonight. So apologies to everyone if we we don't sound quite as pretty as normal today. So John, with that in mind, will you have the 60 seconds ready and give us time? Uh, Matthew, your time starts now. Name an Egyptian besides Mo Salah to have scored or got a Premier League assist this season. Us. Name one of the Champions League last 16 clubs this season to have never won it before. Pass. Which Scottish Premiership side play at Easter Road? Hibernian. Correct. Who is Ian Holloway currently managing in League Two? Pass. Which tyre company sponsored Inter Milan during Fat Ronaldo's time there? Uh, Is it Pirelli? It is correct. At which year's World Cup was the official England song World at Your Feet by Embrace? 2006. Correct. Name an Egyptian footballer that isn't Mo Salah Pass. in the Premier League. Uh, name one of the Champions League last 16 clubs to have never won it before. Atletico. Mm, yes. Uh, now, who is Ian Holloway currently managing in League 2? Oh, very strong oh, form. I know that one. It's going to drive me nuts. Is it Newport or someone random like that? It isn't Newport. It is Grimsby. Um, <sighs> I didn't realise he was there. Oh, I knew that. That's very annoying. Uh, well, it's a good score, mate. Oh, yeah, this is that is very strong because these are these these questions follow a, a set format all the way through. So I think four is going to be very good. Um, yeah. Does anyone know either of the Egyptians that both play at Aston Villa? Say El Mahamedi. No, it's El Ghazi and Trezeguet oh. two that mm-hmm. scored or got an assist. Um, but yeah, you have got the rest of them. So Edie, you have got four to tie, um, and sure. uh, obviously five <laughs> to take the lead. And your time starts. Now, name a Belgian other than De Bruyne to have scored or have a Premier League assist this season. Pass. Uh, name a Croatian with a Champions League medal. Players medal. Pass. Which Scottish Premiership side play at Fir Park? Totally know that one too. I'll move oh, on. God. Where is Jason yeah. Tindall currently mar- managing? Pass. Uh, which Scottish lager sponsored both Rangers and Newcastle in the mid 90s? That's got to be McEwen's. It is. At uh, which year's World Cup was the official England song Bindaloo by Fat Les? Oh, God. Nine. Uh, 
98. Yes. Uh, name a Belgian oh, who played. Oh, okay. So you got it. You got two at the end there. Um, so who can name a Belgian who plays in the Premier League? No, I can't. <laughs> you, 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 it, it should be possible, but yeah, I, it should be possible. Yeah. So there's, yeah. There's, there's, there's You're two, quite right. Uh, there's three at Leicester. Um, three whole Belgians. Yeah, Tielemans, uh, Castagna, and Pratt. Uh, then there's uh, Trossard at Brighton and uh, Batshuayi at Palace. Um, they've all scored this or had an assist this season. Um, can you name a Croatian with a Champions League me- medal? Loads of them have played at Real Madrid and Barca. Yeah, Modric, yeah, Kovacic, Mod- Simic, uh, Boban, Suker, Bishkan, Mandzukic, Rakitic, Dejan Lovren with Liverpool. Um, nice. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, Fur Park, anyone? Dundee. Motherwell. Ah. Oh, I'm so glad I was going to, I was thinking Dundee, so I'm very glad I didn't even say that. Where is Jason Tindall managing? Bournemouth. Um, it's Bournemouth. He's just oh. got such a basic name. <laughs> I thought that yeah. might be a tricky one. You got McEwen's like when you got 1998. Okay then, so John, <laughs> four to draw level. No chance. <laughs> and five <laughs> to take the lead. Your time, John, you can time yourself. Excuse me. Now, name a player to have scored six or more goals in North London derbies. Okay. Correct. Name someone who has won the Champions League as a player and a manager. Ooh. Diego Simeone? Uh, incorrect. Uh, which Scottish Premiership side play at Tannadice Park? Uh, Dundee United. Correct. Where is Darren Moore currently managing in League One? Walsall? Incorrect. What shirt sponsor did Jurgen Klinsmann make his debut for Spurs wearing? Holston. Correct. At which year's World Cup was the official England song We're on the Ball by Anton Deck? 2002. Correct. Uh, name someone who has won the Champions League as a player, as a manager. Pep Guardiola. Correct. Uh, where is Darren Moore currently managing in League One? Uh, fuck no, is Lincoln. No. Keep going. It's the last one. Uh, no, I haven't got five, really. Yeah. Um, oh, bloody hell. Um, how much time have I got? I don't know. You're timing yourself. You're timing yourself. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Oh, no, actually, my time's up. I've just checked. There's a minute. Okay. <laughs> yeah, funny that. Okay, well... You, well, you can check that on the recording, you know. shambles. Okay, well, I, after saying I thought it was hard this week, some absolute... How, how have you pulled out all of those so quickly? So, Darren Moore is a Doncaster as of recently. Oh, um, I never got Doncaster. I, I, I must be honest, I did think that you weren't going to get We're on the Ball by Anton Deck quite that quickly. Maybe the fact that you had like already had two answers. It was the ones that earlier. preceded it and kind of been around it that I thought, well, hang on. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, so I, I thought the North London Derby one would be harder because I thought if you'd have gone for Henri, Van Persie or Gareth Bale, they've all got five, which is why I put derib- deliberately chose it as six because I thought that might put you off, but sadly it didn't. Um, but yeah, well done. You got, got all of the others correct, uh, which means that you are you are the winner. So as you know, in tradition, we will go to a tie break. So uh, Edie, uh, the wonderful song, We're on the Ball by Anton Deck, where did that peak uh, in the UK charts? I want a specific uh, specific position, please. <laughs> I, t- I have literally no memory of this yeah, right. choose, ever coming choose, out. Choose a number. Dear God. It's in the top okay. 40. All righty. I think it went to 14. Matt? Let's say 14. I'll say 15. Okay. Uh, John? 
I was genuinely going to say 13, but that looks really bad and I'd feel bad about doing it. So I'm going to say number eight. It was number three. So John, you win in real time and oh. you, real in, you win in the tiebreaker as well. Thank you so much, Edie. Thank you so much, Matthew, for, for joining us. However you manage to watch your Reading game tomorrow or tonight by the time you listen to this, we really do hope you enjoy it. We will speak to you one more time before Christmas with something a little bit special. We're looking forward to bringing it to you next week. In the meantime, mind how you go. Thank you.